Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. Breaking the power of the devil. Uh, understanding, because I, I, the truth is, I think a lot of us, we know there's an enemy, but we don't really understand biblically how that works. And, and so this morning, I want to give you a bit of a crash course on the devil. And I want to say before we start that you might say, no, David, you should preach about Jesus. But just, just to give you a breather before we even start, the devil was defeated 2,000 years ago <laughs> when Jesus died on Calvary's cross. And even when Jesus was alive, he'd walk around and people that were possessed by the devil would say, you've come to torment us before our time. And they knew what they were in for. And, and I want to say this, there, there, is, no, there, there is no match. The, firstly, I've said this many times, but... Jesus and God, well, Jesus is God, but God's not playing catch up with the evil one. The evil one plays catch up with God. God is, is not, when, when the enemy breaks loose in our homes, we sort of like panic and think, oh God, you need to catch up to this problem. God's ahead of the problem. And often what takes place is in response to what God's already doing. And the enemy comes against us. And, and I want to have a look at this in the Bible. But before I do, I want to read a quote just so there's some balance to this message, because we don't want people foaming at the mouth with their heads spinning by the end of the service. We'll save that for tonight. I want to have a look. There's a famous uh, pastor of one of the largest Baptist churches in America called Adrian Rogers, and he's going to be the Lord, but probably one of the best Bible teachers you'll ever hear. He says this. He says, there are two mistakes people make about the devil. One, they get into demonology, always studying, wondering, and talking about demons. Their focus rests on Satan rather than on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we're to resist the devil. It doesn't say where to chase him. On the other hand, there are those who are flippant about the devil. They have nicknames for him. They think it's a cartoon or a fantasy. The truth is we do have a powerful adversary in the devil. Peter likens him to a roaring lion. A mature Christian recognizes that he has an enemy. He respects the power of that enemy but he clings to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to overcome and who has overcome this great adversary. So I want to I live within the balance of this. I don't want to get weird. I just want to give you a bit of a teaching this morning on how, how the enemy works and what he wants to do in your life. And, and because the devil does want to destroy people's lives, I want to give you two scriptures to start with. Let's have a look at the book of John 10. And I'm sure you've already heard this many times. Let's have a look at verse 7. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal, to kill, And to destroy, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have what? You might have, you might have what? 
You might have a life. The devil wants to demolish families. He wants to demolish nations. He wants to demolish people. He wants to deceive. He wants to damage. He wants to divide homes. He wants to attack families. He wants to come against you. And, and he does this both in your own world. It can be through sickness. It can be through calamity. And every now and then, we need to understand, it may just be a bit of a supernatural thing that we've got to say, Lord, we just pray over this situation and ask for your hand of deliverance to be upon it in the name of Jesus. Does anyone believe that this morning? And he said, so, so I want to have a look at one more passage here. Let's have a look at the book of First Peter. Praise God. God is good. Somebody say, the Lord is good. Beautiful. 1 Peter 5. Verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for what he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Your adversary, your adversary. I don't want to get you freaked out today. You might say, well, I was happy before I came to church. I didn't know I had one, but that's the problem. Often we fail to realize that there, there, there is an assignment against you and I going to heaven. There is an assignment against you and I taking people with us to heaven. There is an assignment against the church. Even in our nation right now, there's an assignment against morality. There's, a, there's an assignment against marriage and family. And I want to say this here today. I'm not here to uh, get political using this message. But the day that the church stops recognizing that there is an adversary, I'm not saying we exalt him. I'm not saying we give him any airplay. I'm not saying that we acknowledge the work of the devil. I'm, I'm too busy praising Jesus. I remember I heard a story. Of, of Reinhard Bonnke when he landed in, in, in uh, Nigeria to preach. And, and this guy picks him up from the plane and he says, Oh, Pastor Bonnke, can you feel the powers of hell in our nation? And he says, No, I can't feel anything on the, uh, of the powers of hell. All I can feel on me is the burning fire of Jesus. He says, if, the, if a fly comes to land on a rock, he'll land on a cold one, not a hot one. He says, if the devil tries to land on me, he'll burn his dirty fingers. And I want to tell you something. I'm not scared of the devil. I'm not worried about him. I don't think about him. I don't wake up and go, oh, I'm under attack. Oh, no. I just get up and I declare that Jesus is Lord, that the blood of Jesus prevails and we walk in victory. But there, but there comes times in our life where when we pray, we have to realize that sometimes we've got to pray against stuff. And, and, and maybe there's sickness in your family or maybe there's challenges in your home or, or maybe there's just repeated calamity and problem. Every now and then as believers, we need to realize maybe the enemy's at play and we just say, in the name of Jesus, you're done. In the name of Jesus, we take authority right now and believe that God is going to do something supernatural. Well, he's not going to do it. It's already been done. But I want to have a look at this and just give you an idea of how the enemy works and, 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 uh, and what his means are. And, and then we'll pray at the end. We're going to believe God for a great day and we'll go home. Hopefully no one will have any nightmares this week. But if you do, uh, just call Pastor Keith Moody. Uh, he'll be happy to talk to you at any hour. Throughout the night. Very happy to do that. I want to have a look at this. We, we, we read through scripture. and There's a lot of different things to talk about. But just as we set this up, we know through the Bible that, that the devil is a destroyer. The, the Hebrew name for Satan is Abaddon, which means destruction. The Bible says a thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is a, is a destroyer. He's a destroyer of homes. He's a destroyer of families. He's a destroyer of relationships. He's a destroyer of 
uh, of, I guess, even our own sense of security. He's a destroyer. And I really do believe often we look in this world and we try to identify our enemies. That, well, that person's our enemy. This uh, religion's our enemy. That, that, they're our enemy. They're actually not our enemies. The Bible says, love your enemies. Our enemy is the devil. And when the enemy is led into a human life, he destroys a human life. And that's why we see crazy things happening in the world. But as a church, we can write all these blogs about how bad people from certain parts of the world are. And believe me, there's times where I'd love to join the chorus. But at the end of the day, they're not our adversary. Our adversary is the enemy. People are our mission field. I don't know, where, I don't know when as a church... We we decided to say, you know, that group of people, they're, they're, we're against them. I'm not against Muslims. They're our harvest men. We got, they need to get to heaven. They need to be born again by the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Are you happy today? The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Another thing that the enemy is, is, is he's a deceiver. Let's have a look at the book of Genesis chapter 3. We, we see that the enemy make a bit of an appearance here in the, in the Garden of Eden. Be honest, it didn't really help things too much. Uh, I just wish that they hadn't eaten the apple. They'd eaten the snake. That would have been very helpful. Now the serpent, verse 1, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat it. You shall not touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Can you see right there we get introduced to how the enemy works? He'll always try to get you to doubt the things that God says. For God knows in that day, you eat of your eyes, it will be open. Sorry, you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good or evil. So you see what he's deceived them into. He's deceived them firstly into not believing the word of God. And now he's taking them a step further into deceiving them into a sense of, ooh, I'm going to tap into their pride and they're going to, we're going to be better. We're going to, we're going to be as good as God. Who does he think he is? And so they question the authority of God, the word of God. And so the Bible says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes. How many know sometimes the things of the world may be ple- pleasant to the eyes, but they, they, they've got consequences? Let me tell you, sin has a payday, and, and it, go, it goes on to say, Please your eyes, the tree was desirable to make one wise, so she took of its fruit and she ate it, gave it to her husband with her, and he ate it. And then, now we are all in a bit of strife. Thank you, Adam and Eve. God said, what happened? Well, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake, and, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. So, that's what happened. But the enemy came in and convinced them to step outside of what God had set up for them. The enemy can do that in your marriage. Hey, there's something better out there, you know, maybe. Yet you read the Bible and the Bible says God hates divorce. The Bible says who God joins together, let no man put asunder. In Ecclesiastes, he said a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so, you, you know, God's agenda is long-term healthy marriages. I'm not here today to give you a hard time if that hasn't been uh, the way your story's panned out. But let me tell you, the future is what lies ahead. And we can make our marriages work. And whatever situation of life you're in, let's believe God that he's going to bless your marriage and all of those things. But he starts saying to me, God's given me a grace to walk away from this marriage. And I remember saying to him, no, the devil's given you a deception to walk out of this marriage. You're wrong. You're not hearing God. You're hearing the devil. And, and so I preached this. And Christians, these days, we don't talk about this stuff so much. And so when I say this stuff, you're going, oh, you're getting too full on. No. 
let me tell you, the Anglicans believe this. The, the Methodists believe this. The Lutherans believe this. The, the Pentecostals, some of them even believe this. I mean, we used to anyway. And, and here's, the, here's the crux of the matter. The enemy wants to bring attractive things into our life and tell, them it's, tell us it's okay. He's not going to bring a big plate of manure and say, David, eat this. Because I'm going to go, no, I'm not going to eat that. I don't really want to. But if he brings me some apricot chicken with skin and extra French onion soup mix, I'm telling you, I'm going to smash that whole thing to the glory of God. And you say, is that the devil? I've got a grace for eating that, I think. But the point that I'm trying to make here today is the enemy is real. But he is a created being and is subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But right now, man fell and gave the enemy permission to be the ruler of this world. That's why we preach the kingdom of God, because we're in this world, but we as Christians are subject to the kingdom of God. Do you believe that this morning? And so while we're in this world, we're not of this world. That's why we do weird things. That's why we're generous. It doesn't make sense. That's why we love people when we don't need to. That's why we forgive people when we don't need to. Why? Because we, 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 we live in a different society, even though we live in this world. We're not of this world. But isn't it amazing? The enemy will befriend anyone in order to deceive them. Another thing that the enemy does is he's a devourer. The Bible says he's, he walks around, I assume it's because he can't afford a car, <laughs> roaring like a lion. Seeking whom he may devour. You know, it's interesting. It says here, I want to, I want to show you how this works. Firstly, it talks about him being a lion. It gives you a picture that there is, there is some consequences if you spend too much time in close contact. Remember, my dad always said to me when I was a kid, concerning just people who are unkind and he said you can pat a tiger snake and make it your friend but one day it'll bite you and in this case you can pat the lion but once he gets the taste for for your blood it's, it's going to devour you and Jesus is very clear the book of Luke talks about how when Lucifer fell in heaven it's cast from heaven like lightning out of heaven he tried to corrupt what God was doing in there and God was like no you're done out you go and heaven's beautiful and it's uh, there's, no, there's no trace of that kind of thing in heaven, but we see on earth where he has been given permission by the disobedience of man to walk around this planet roaring like a lion. He's ready to devour. He wants to hurt you. He, I'm not trying to scare you, but mum and dad, he wants your family. He wants your kids. He, he wants them. He, he wants them away from God. He wants them walking in paths of unrighteousness. And you say, are you trying to put fear in my heart? No, I'm just trying to preach us to a place where we at least walk in vigilance and sobriety and know that we have, a, we know that we have an adversary. I'm just letting you know who the enemy is because too often the religious church points their finger at every other enemy, but our enemy is the devil. But I want to tell you, I said it before, but I just want to say it one more time, is he was defeated on Calvary 2,000 years ago ago and Jesus is alive and he reigns king of kings and lord of lords so I don't spend too much time worrying about the devil but every now and then when he perks up his ugly head we say in the name of Jesus we take authority the bible says Jesus went to the temple to teach the bible says a demon spirit manifested in that place and he cast it out the bible doesn't say he went to the temple looking for demons are you following what I'm saying I don't want to be one of those Christians that think everything's a demon 
The only demons that exist in the body of Christ in this church on a regular basis, they're in our audio-visual systems. They're alive and well. And, uh, but, but we still believe me. I'm going to go on a 70-day fast to hope that they just fix up. But let, let me say this. We walk free from that. We walk free from the powers of darkness. That's what salvation does. But the enemy still wants to come against us and bring torment and bring challenge. And we just need to walk in the victory of Jesus and say, in the name of Jesus, you, you are God and we trust you, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. But it's funny, he, he does two things. He, he walks like a lion and he roars. That word walks actually means prowls. Now, you might say, well, what's, what's that got to do with anything? Well, when you're a prowler, a prowler's the kind of creepy person that might get in the backyard and look for an opportunity to steal. What they're doing is they're waiting anonymously for an opportunity of vulnerability to take something that's not theirs. And so in some case, he'll roar intimidation at you. He'll roar uh, negative feelings. He'll, he'll roar negative thought patterns and, yeah. and whatever. But at the same time, he'll also just be in the background waiting for a weak moment to just come. The Bible talks about, in, in Ephesians, putting on the armor of God so we can withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. And the, the, the fiery darts of the enemy are simply uh, a picture of, of ancient combat where they, the, these, these archers were so skilled in the way that they did battle that they would pull the arrow back, they would light the, they would light the end of the arrow and they would fire into a weak spot like a crack on a fortified wall of a city and just keep hitting that spot, hitting that spot, hitting that spot, hitting that spot, hitting that spot until eventually they'd bring the building down by hitting the weakness in your life. I want to say this, we all have weaknesses in our lives and we've got to understand that's where the enemy wants to get us. He wants to find that weak Achilles heel in our life and just go, just keep pushing that thing. And that's why we say, you know what? We have vulnerabilities. The Bible says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. But what we have to do is say, Lord God, I know I'm not strong in every area of my life, but by the grace of God, I am. And Lord, I trust you. I live according to your word. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to win in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, can you say amen? So he prowls, prowls. You know when... The devil attacked Jesus, and I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. Or, sorry, tempted Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the Bible says the enemy left him, and it says this, and it's very key. The enemy left him for an opportune time. I tell you, the enemy makes opportunities. Again, this is not to put fear in your heart, but it's to maybe say, God, the choices I make, the way I think, the way I live, negative thought patterns, sin. What, I'm actually going to put my walls up here because I, I don't want these to be openings for the enemy to come and devour. I, I've got a family. See, it's no longer about me now. I'm married with kids. I've got a church. I've got, a, I've got to think my actions don't just affect me. They affect a lot of other people. And, and so my prayer is that we would be vigilant, we'd be sober and know that we serve a good God who's alive and is strong. And he goes on and he talks about the enemy also not just being a lion, but also, also a bird. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, it came to pass that as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. God will put good seeds in your heart. The enemy wants to take it. I find it's so frequent when somebody gives their heart to Jesus. You can guarantee the day they give their heart to God, just in the next few days, something totally discouraging is going to overpower them. And come against them. We've got to understand that, that we've got to protect the seed. We've got to protect yeah. 
what God wants to do. We've got to protect people and, and realize the enemy wants to take the goodness of God and do damage in our life. Again, we're not being worried. We're just being vigilant. We're knowing our adversary. We're saying, God, we trust you. God, we believe you are who you say you are. And we know we have authority. But I want to have a look at this this morning. We'll turn this around for a minute. I want to have a little look at how to overcome the enemy. And because that's where I want to preach. But I want you to know who your enemy is. And I read a story of a, of a postie who lived in Oklahoma. And, uh, and this postie would always uh, struggle to get the mail into this guy's yard because he had this big dog on a chain. And so one day he decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going I'm to make this work and I'm going to get this stuff in there. So what he did was he drove past the watchdog and he, and he parked in the driveway and he managed to walk around and the dog tried everything to get on him and to take him down. He delivered the mail and he walked out and the owner of the house who was inside said, how did you do that? And he said this, he said, I parked on your dog's chain. <laughs> can I tell you, we've got to just park on the enemy's chain and just say, you know what, you can, you can bark and hiss and do whatever you want to do. But if I'm delivering mail, sweetheart, don't call the devil sweetheart. Just a, that brought, Thought number one today, how do I overcome the enemy? Number one, don't call him sweetheart. <laughs> No, you've got, to, you've got to park on that chain and say, you know something, there is a hedge of protection around my home, around my family. The Bible talks about, and this is, this is the household of faith. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How do, I, how do I overcome? How do I block the chain? Maybe step on sin and say, God, you know what? I'm going to walk in righteousness and integrity. Or oh, I'm going to step on the chain. I'm going to honor my wife. And, and, and I don't know, I'm not implying that she's a ball and chain. I'm just saying... I'm going to step on the chain and make sure that what's being watched on TV in our home edifies God. And I think our standards, if we want to be honest, I grew up with Pastor Andrew Evans. Everything was a sin. Maybe not with Pastor Andrew. He'd just say it was. His wife meant it. Mrs. Evans, you did anything. You think a wrong thought. I remember one day they were over at our house for dinner and the phone rang. And so Dad said, just say we're not available. So I said, oh, they're not here right now. You would have thought that, that was fine. In walks Lorraine Evans, grabs the phone. David just lied to you. We are in fact here, but we are unavailable. Thank you. Hangs up the phone. I was like, what happened? I grew up in that. I grew up believing that you honoured the opposite sex. I grew up believing that you were careful what you watched. We grew up in Sunday school singing little songs like, be careful little eyes what you see. Be, be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little feet where you go because there's a father up above. He's looking down with love. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. I think some of you need to sing that just a little bit every now and then. Be careful little eyes what you see. Yeah, good. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. It's a good song, lyrically strong. <laughs> I remember back in Sunday school, we used to sing this song to the devil. I'm sure he was shaking in his hoofs. Uh, <laughs> We used to sing, I don't know if anyone remembers the song, we were like six. I command you, Satan, in the name of the Lord, to withdraw your forces and flee. For the Lord has given me authority to stomp all over thee. He was very scared. He was very scared. He's scared right now. Let me, let me, let me say this, that, that if we want to 
overcome the enemy. We've got to step on his chain. How do we do that? Number one, let's be a bit old school. How do we overcome the enemy? Number one, most important, number one, through the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. Let's have a look. It says here, Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him, overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb. Can I just stop at the blood of the lamb for one minute? It's because of what Jesus did that the powers of darkness have been defeated in our lives. I mean, the devil's never been a match for God, but when it comes to our lives, the enemy had had us, we were ransomed, we were held, we were held captive, but Jesus paid the greatest price that's ever been paid. And because of the shed blood of Calvary, the, enemy, the enemy's power is broken off your life in the name of Jesus. And, and you know, we've got to walk in that victory and, and believe that God is who he says he is. Number two, uh, and he says, the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. When we declare the goodness of God, when we declare the victory of Jesus in our life, when we declare what God's done, I don't know about you, my testimony is fairly average. I was raised in a Christian home and got saved some, at some point. But I know other people, they've got amazing testimonies. Pastor Keith had a six-year-old boy say, if you don't repent, you're going to hell or something like that. So he gets saved. I mean, some of you, you were rat bags. How many were rat bags before you met Jesus? Give me... Andrew Buxton, that's not possible. You're godly. You really were. What did you do wrong? Mm. I knew it. He's a good Lutheran, probably still does. But let me say, let me move on. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. And I used to whinge to God. I don't have a testimony. He said, it's not about whether you have one, it's whether you keep your testimony. How do you overcome? You keep your testimony. You walk in integrity. You walk in the goodness of God and see the hand of God in your life. Number two, how do we overcome the enemy? We're ready. We live in a state of readiness. Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Just a bit of discernment, just being spiritual. You feel like challenge comes in the name of Jesus. Take authority, we trust your Lord God in Jesus' name. Number three, it's important. Number three, be authentic. The The Bible talks about things that look like God that aren't God. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Is it not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness? Let's look for what's real. If you're going to get into some new Christian thing or the latest revival to come down the pipe or the latest best-selling book, ask, does it still submit to the Lordship of Jesus? Is it biblical? Is it anchored in Scripture? Is it biblically right? Because I, I really do believe that a lot of what comes down the pipe, we've got to test the Spirit and say, God, is this you? It doesn't have to be complicated. We don't need to put a fleece out and get all crazy, but we can say, Lord, speak. Same Jesus that loves you is the same Jesus that will guide you by his Holy Spirit. Number four. Be aware. Live live with awareness. 2 Corinthians 2.11. In order that the enemy might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Be just aware. We don't have to be bound or worried or full of fear. Just aware. The enemy's real. He's defeated. We have to walk in that. So where? Number, number five, walk in your authority. Jesus said all authority has been given in his name. Mark 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He who believes and is 
baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, number one, he says, you'll cast out demons. Spiritual authority is a powerful thing. I know I've shared this over the years, but if I stood on Northeast Road today and I waited for the 545 and I stood in front of the 545 and I said, stop. The 545 would be well within its capacity to run me down and uh, I would never ride a bendy bus again. (laughs) But I can tell you this. If I walk on that same piece of road wearing a South Australian police officer's uniform with a police badge, that truck has all the power in the world to run me down. It's stronger than me. It could run me down and keep running. It wouldn't even miss a beat. But if I'm wearing a police badge and a police uniform, what I'm saying is, hey, I can stop you, not because of my own strength, but I have delegated authority. And I want to tell you today, you have authority. You might not be big in stature, both spiritually and naturally speaking but you have the name of Jesus. And so when the enemy comes against you, you say, pull over, you mongrel. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say amen? Let's close. Let's close in prayer. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Jesus.